Let's pray for a moment as we look at the scriptures together. Father, we thank you that you are a speaking God. We thank you that you want to speak to us individually and corporately. We thank you that you are living and active. And Father, we pray this morning as we look at your word that you would open our hearts and soften our hearts and that we would know you speaking to us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, it's worked out quite well having the street pastors here and the work that they do because it ties in to what I really felt God wanted me to preach on today. There is a real challenge that poverty is a basic requirement to get anything from God. That, that, that might really shock you. But I want to say to you, poverty is a doorway through which God gives us all the things of the kingdom. Where do we find that? We find it in Matthew 5.3. Now you've got to remember, Matthew 5.3 is Jesus' first sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he starts it off and he says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, we don't like the word poor. Anybody here think, yeah, oh yeah, I love that word. I really like that label on me to be poor. We don't like that. And people who are poor try to disguise it as much as they can because nobody wants to be poor. Poverty is seen as a negative in general. And in our society, we honour wealth. We honour being rich. We, we, in fact, we make it a life goal to obtain as much wealth and possessions as we can. That kind of seems to be the thrust of what the Western world throws out. And yet here, Jesus starts, and before he says anything else, he says, guys, it's about being poor. It's not about being rich. It's about being poor. And being poor here is a key or it's a doorway because it unlocks something that otherwise we miss. Now, before I look at that something that we get, I just want to look at what we mean by being poor. Are we talking about being financially poor? Well, yes, we are. Are we talking about material poverty? Yes, we are. Are we talking about social poverty, not being in the right class or living in the right part of the city or not having uh, the right car or being in the in crowd? Are we talking about that kind of a poverty? Well, yes, we are. Are we talking about educational poverty? where we might not be able to read very well or read at all or where we may have some form of disability or we may not even have had the chance to get a decent education. Well, yes, we are. We are, in fact, talking about poverty in every area of our lives. And the question is this, what is so amazing about poverty? If you think of the people that we walk past who sit in our town centres or sit outside of the supermarkets with a sleeping bag, with a little tin in front of them or whatever, they look at every person who walks past because they are reliant. They need people to supply or they don't eat. There is a reliance and poverty 
puts us into a position where we know we can't supply it ourselves and so we turn to God. We look to God to supply that. And this is where Jesus says that if you are poor, then my kingdom belongs to you. Now, Jesus' kingdom, we'll look in a moment, Jesus' kingdom is awesome. But if we come poor to Jesus, if we bring a reliance upon God, it opens up the whole resources of the kingdom of God into our experience. Jesus said that if I am poor, then the resources of the kingdom are mine. Well, what's so special about God's kingdom? If you looked at a paragraph before this section in Matthew 5, in uh, Matthew 4, we read this. Now, you've got to remember that Jesus preached, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God came in with the activity of Jesus. Jesus' life, what he did, is a demonstration of the operation of the kingdom. And what you'll find is God's kingdom is not restricted by the same laws and rules as our worldly kingdom. God can do things in his kingdom that we can't do in ours. And so this is what we read from Matthew 4, 23 to 25. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from the east of the Jordan. What an amazing paragraph. The kingdom of God unleashed such amazing provision and healing that people from all over that region came and followed Jesus. But the entry point was reliance. The entry point was being poor. The, this kingdom belongs to us if we are poor. And the things that were possible in God's kingdom are not possible in ours what in our worldly kingdom is impossible, God makes possible because of his great glory and his power. Now, this passage is not isolated. Think for a moment. Jesus fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. You ever done that? I mean, what we've done is we kind of thin out the gravy when more people come, but that's about as far as we've got. But just think, Jesus did a phenomenal miracle. Why? He was demonstrating the kingdom. How did Jesus pay his taxes? Well, he said to Peter, go and fish in the lake and the first fish you catch, uh, catch open his mouth, take the coin that is in there and pay your tax and mine. Wow. I'd like to pay my taxes like that. Jesus walked on water. Jesus calmed the storm. Jesus raised those who were dead. All because he was operating in the kingdom 
of God. He was operating on a completely different level. He had authority over all of the laws of nature and over everything else that was there because he brought in a different kingdom. A kingdom where faith and trust unleash untold power. Now, Jesus wasn't the only one. We could talk about the Apostle Paul, how the handkerchiefs that he laid his hand on went around and healed people. We could talk about Peter, whose very shadow people put sick people in and they were healed. We could talk about Philip, who was taken up by the Spirit to another place. These are all expressions of the kingdom. But how did these guys start? They started in a really simple thing. Jesus said, come, follow me. And then we are told they left everything, even their father in the boat, and followed Jesus. They came in poverty. They had nothing. Ironically, the only guy who had something was Judas. He got all the money. He was looking after that. But Jesus wasn't concerned about that. It is about an implicit trust in Jesus that comes out of knowing that we have nothing. I think it's really fitting that at the very start of his sermon, Jesus says the foundation is of being poor. We need to recognize that we bring nothing to Jesus except our poverty. This is why Jesus said it is impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. They've got too much baggage. Do you remember the rich young ruler? This guy, he fulfilled all of the stuff that, that uh, the law required. Jesus loved him and he says, but you lack one thing. You're too rich. You need to become poor. Take all of your stuff and give it away. And he couldn't do it. Trust, reliance are the currency of God's kingdom. And that's why poverty is so essential, because it is only the poor that will want to access the kingdom. You know, the great tragedy in our Western world, actually we could say in our world all over, the great tragedy in our world is that we think that through our money, through our education, through science, through globalization, we are going to change the world. And yet we have proven in 6,000 years of human history that the only thing that we perpetuate is the sin that we are all born with. It doesn't take a great deal of looking at our world and realizing that something is totally amiss. And when people are rich, they think we can do it. You know, it's amazing. I think my mum was sharing with me this week how the Bill Gates Foundation spends millions of pounds on lobbying with news agencies and things to push things out that they want people to hear. The rich think that they can control it all and do it all and they can change it. Uh, and they look in their own resources, in their own um, ability. And what they find is, is they miss the kingdom of God. Because you can't get in there with your own resources. 
And so what do people do? Well, it's not happening. Let's work harder. Let's gain more. And this cycle continues. And what we find is that everything that humans try to do, even with good intention, becomes corrupted. It says power corrupts, but absolute power corrupts absolutely. And we can look at our history and it is littered with people who were given great power. They became the prime minister or a king or whatever. And then once they got that power, they used it for their own ends. There is a corruption within humanity. And until we come to Jesus and say, I have nothing, I am nothing, I trust in you, I look to you for alliance, we then all of a sudden find that God places us in a kingdom where there is a massive abundance. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. It's that complete trust in God. It's, it's saying, you know, you're the one that I need. We've heard this a number of times. How is it that a band of uneducated men could change the world with the gospel? Why? Because they found God is rich in resources. I wonder where you stand with that this morning. Are you rich in God? Are you trusting God? Or are you trusting the system that we live in? I mean, we've had enough scares over this last decade to 15 years where we've seen a few financial crashes. We've seen diseases that have ended people's lives. It should be enough to make us realise that without God, there is no certainty. I mean, we spoke last week that Jesus said, if you take my words and you build your life on them, you will have such a solid foundation that when the trials come, when the difficulties come, you will stand strong. But let me tell you, you trust in the world. You trust in your job and in your pension and in the government and all the stuff that has. At some point, it will crash down around you because the world has no answer when these things strike. And they do. So we discover that in Christ, there is wealth and hidden resources. Not resources that encourage greed. You know, there's a... There's always a fine line because Jesus said that we would have life in abundance, but there is a, a, a prosperity gospel out there that says the focus is all about money, but it's not. The focus is not about money. Let me tell you, I think God is an amazing provider. You know, Jesus himself was well-dressed. Did you know that? Jesus was well-dressed. How do we know this? Because the Romans then gambled for his clothing. You wouldn't do that if he was badly dressed. Jesus was well-dressed. When it came to feeding the 5,000, one of the Gospels, the disciples say to him when Jesus says, you go feed them, they said, should we spend so much? What does that tell us? That tells us that they had enough. You don't say, should we spend so much if you don't have it? You say, hey, we haven't got the money. We can't do this. And yet Jesus still did a miracle. It is not about our focus on the abundance. It's about our trust in God. 
And one of the things, I'll be talking about this in the future, we're going to try and bring some foundational stuff in where we talk about money, because we don't talk a great deal about money. I don't like talking about money, but we have to talk about money because money is so crucial in how we live. But it's about seeing that God is a provider and we become generous people, not hoarders. You know, the Western world is a hoarding nation. If you go over to Africa, if you go over to India, you will find the majority of shops have two varieties of anything, whereas we have 50. I mean, we have so much food, it goes off and bad and it's chucked in the bin and other people don't have any. You know, that's greed. God and his abundance has supplied all that we need but it's about us being generous. It's about having a generous heart. You know, the street pastors is about generosity. These guys are being generous with their time. They're being generous in faith and in prayer. And God works through them because God is generous. God is not a miser. God wants to give you an abundant supply. But as James said, he doesn't want to supply it so that we use it for our greed. He wants to supply it so that we can be generous to those who are around us. And so let me ask you this morning, are you living in reliance on God? How do we know that? Well, we know that about how we deal with things. I was thinking the other day, when I was in India, I lived far more by faith than I have done here. It's not a good confession, but God's really highlighted I need to get back and beyond to how I lived there. And the thing is, if you are living in faith, it means that if God asks you to do something with something you have, you will do it because you trust in his supply. And so if, if you have 50 quid to meet a bill at the end of the month and God says, well, that person has a bill tomorrow, give them the 50 quid, that's not a problem for you if you have faith. Because scripture says that my plenty supplies the need for somebody else's lack and then my lack gets supplied by their plenty. It's kind of how it goes. Reliance on God opens the door for us to an unlimited kingdom of provision that God supplies but it's not a kingdom for our own private greed. It's a kingdom of generous people. God wants us to be generous people. To give and to give. What I love about the Christian faith is that it's not elitist because it's for the poor. It's not a special club of high achievers. It's a place for the poor. It's a place where anybody can come in simplicity. They don't have to bring anything. They just come in their recognition and say, hey, Jesus, I need you. I mean, let's face it. Isn't that how we started the journey? We came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. There is sin and corruption in my life and I ask you to forgive me and, and there's nothing I can do about it. I've tried to change it, but I can't. And I come and I trust in you and then he supplies isn't it in Galatians, he says, how foolish you are. You started in the spirit and now you're trying to complete it in the flesh. I mean, you see that with Christians. 
that they start in total reliance upon Jesus and then they move on to good works or they move on to other things and try to achieve it themselves without recognizing that every step is a step of poverty and reliance. We trust in Jesus. You know, the church should be a place where people recognize God's riches, where we see that God's amazing promises and provision are true and we come with nothing into that and God uses us to be the supply to everybody else. The Christian church is always punched above its weight. It's always given out more money than it's got in and people say, well, how can you do that? Well, hey, God can do that. It's about God meeting those needs. And I want to say to you this morning, unless you're willing to be poor, you won't see it. Now, I'm not saying here that you need to sell your house, you need to sell your car. I'm not saying you need to get rid of all your savings, whatever. But what I am saying is that if you come poor and if you say, I have died with Christ and my life is hidden with Christ in God. And if you say that I've been bought with a price and I'm dead and everything belongs to Jesus, it then means that the way you look at what you possess is actually it belongs to God. It changes the perspective that actually it's not mine it belongs to Jesus. And then God will supply all that we need, whether it comes from what we've earned, but God has supplied, or whether it is a miraculous thing that God does. We simply need to stand before him and say, hey, I'm bringing nothing here, but I'm trusting in your goodness. God loves us. Humans will never move beyond what God can do through us. <coughs> we will never achieve the things that the world wants to achieve. You know, over, I'm old enough to have seen every government that I've kind of lived under make promises that they've never ever fulfilled. But I know this, that when I read my Bible and I see the promises that God has made, those where the time has come, they have all been fulfilled. All you need to do is read the Gospels and see that it says Jesus did this and this fulfilled what was written 700 years ago, 1,000 years ago. He fulfilled it. And there are things that we still wait for. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. That is going to be fulfilled. Let me tell you, Jesus is coming back. But because he's delaying, don't let that fool you that he's not coming. He will at the right time. And so we trust in Jesus. Jesus makes a simple invitation. He says, follow me. He says, leave it all. Just follow me. Follow me. Trust in me. Get to know me. And I think part of that is that we've become, the Western church tends towards institutionalization and religion. What do I mean by that? We create an organization and then we use business principles, which is not the way Jesus meant the church to function. The church was always meant to be a body. It was meant to be something that was alive, that was relational. And so what happens is people think Christianity is about going to church on a Sunday, about doing a few rituals, a communion when it's on, uh, reading your Bible, saying some prayers. But when you speak to those people and say, so what has Jesus said to you this week? There's a kind of blank look. 
How can we know Jesus, but he never speaks to us? Now, there is some conversation there that we probably hear him speak, but don't quite recognize it, and we need to help people through that. But there should be a living, vibrant relationship where somebody says to you, what's Jesus saying to you at the moment? And he speaks to you. And, and just as an aside, the quickest way for you to hear God is to give him unhurried time and meditate upon the Bible. What do I mean by meditate? Yeah, most of you be sick about me saying this. It is about an unhurried reading of the Word of God that says, Holy Spirit, I'm here. What do you want me to hear from you today out of what I'm reading? And something will stand out to you. You read it, you think, oh, I never saw that before. And then you stop. You say, what? Why? Why is that standing out, Holy Spirit? What are you saying to me? And revelation comes and it feeds you and it becomes part of your day. Now, we can read without any of that happening, which is why I think meditation is so important. And if you look at scripture, it doesn't actually tell you just to read the scripture. It says to meditate in it day and night. Every king in the Jewish or in the Israeli kingdom was required to write out the law and then to meditate upon it day and night. Joshua was told to meditate upon the word. The most important thing and what you'll find is God speaks to you. God leads you. God speaks into your situation. He gives you um, stuff to say to other people. So many things that he does. But it starts with saying, I'm going to follow you and I'm going to put all that other side of that other stuff behind me. In Matthew 11:29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for yourselves. How many of us? We want rest. Jesus says, take my yoke, let me teach you. I am humble and gentle and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Let me tell you, if you are stressed beyond belief within the work and the stuff that you're doing, that it's not a burden God has given you. I mean, it says it here, the burden I give you is light. I mean, realistically, we should be like kids. Yeah, they don't carry a burden. I mean, they don't worry about who's paying the bills. Hey, mum and dad will sort that out. That is the kind of trust we need to have in God. He will sort that through. That problem I've got, I'm giving it to my father. He will sort that through. Now, that doesn't mean we become negligent. We pray. We do the things the Holy Spirit asks us to do. But in our trust, our father in heaven supplies. He loves to supply. Doesn't it say, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you? What's the everything else? Your food, your clothes and where you sleep. And you know what? We make ourselves such massive burdens by trying to do all of that stuff ourselves. And I want to say to you, and, 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 it's, and let me tell you, it's really difficult because in the world that we live in, that's what they want. They want you to give your whole life for money and finance and all of those things when actually all of our work should be aimed towards building family, building relationships, caring for the community and looking for God to provide for anything that we can't get in any other way. God is our provider. So I want to challenge you this morning. 
trust in Jesus. If you're poor, well, praise God. The kingdom of God is yours. It's yours. You can take it. You can say, Lord, I'm poor. I need this. He'll say, come into my kingdom. Here it is. And I want to encourage you, if you've never asked Jesus to take away your sin, if you've never asked him to forgive you, if you've never made that start of that journey, because that's where it starts. It starts with a recognition, saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you. Forgive my sin. Or maybe you made that decision many moons ago, but you've walked away from that. You're now living a totally different life. And you know in here, in your heart, that it's not right with God. Well, I want to give you an opportunity this morning just to come back to Jesus. You don't need to bring anything. You just need to say, I'm really sorry for all the wrong that I've done. I want to turn away from that. There's nothing else that I have. And I look for you to supply all that I need. We're going to pray that in a moment. Let me just, let's just close our eyes for a moment. With our eyes closed, I just want to encourage you. If that's you, if God's spoken to you that you need to just return to him, whether it's a first time or whether it's from having walked away from him many moons ago and you want to make that decision, I want you just to pop up your hand where you're sitting and we'll pray with you. If that's you, stick up your hand. Thank you, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? I'm going to pray a prayer and I just want you to pray that in your heart this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that I don't have to bring anything, but I confess my sin before you. I ask you to forgive me for all the wrong that I've done. I receive you into my life. I want to follow you. And I ask that you would help me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've prayed with that, I want to encourage you to share that with a Christian that you know. If you want to chat with me, uh, I'm more than happy to chat with you. Um, but it's always good if there are believers you know to have a, a talk through with that.